Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome to the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast, where our goal is to recruit, educate, and inspire new hunters and to entertain the rest of you. Without the mentorship of responsible, conservation-minded hunters, this passion as we know it faces an uncertain future. So please stick around and be sure to check out our Facebook group, Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast, and like our main page at Foul Front Outdoors right after this episode. Welcome to episode number three. I switched it up on you. Uh, this is the interview with Kevin Fontenot from KB Retrievers and Wheels on Water. Uh, I had to switch up the episode order because this interview was just so, uh, it floored me. So let's get right into it. So what do you say? All right, Kevin, uh, welcome to the show. Thank why don't uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, let's get a little introduction? Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, uh, first, it's great to be here, Ben. Uh, I've come from a, a duck hunting family. Uh, my grandfather pretty much raised uh, his family uh, by duck hunting, and uh, at the time, market hunting was just kind of kind of going going out of style and. Uh, into the sport hunting area, and uh, uh, I started started from there, and, and what have you. The first the first duck that I was able to kill, I, I guess I was uh, about ten years old. I, I killed a big pintail drake, and uh, at that time, showing my age, uh, we were still still hunting under the point limit uh, point system. Uh, you could uh, actually. Pintails were were a very plentiful bird back then, and you could you could kill ten of them fairly easy. So, oh, wow! I guess that kind of dates me right there. <laughs> so, what uh, what year was that? Uh, that would have probably been uh, 1980s, or eighty. Okay, okay. So you started off started off pretty good there. First uh, first bird was a pintail, huh? Right, right. And that, I was spoiled. And, uh, Caddo Lake, uh, was, you can, if you're familiar with Bellrose and what have you, you can look, it's right smack in the, uh, central Louisiana. And, uh, of course down here, we have parishes rather than counties and right. it, it runs into three, three different parishes. So it's quite a sizable lake and, and, uh, sure. uh, you can pretty much wade from one side of it to the other. Uh, so several, it's rel- relatively shallow then right and okay. now they they do have a, a lock on it and 
later in the year, they'll lock it up to and, and actually flood it. And sometimes, you know, we're looking at you're looking at 20 foot or so of water, and then then you have a bunch of divers out in the main lake, and your your mallards and stuff, uh, you know, in the wooded wooded area, mallards right, and gray right. ducks, and so on and so forth, you know. Yeah, well, that's a little different than what I do. <laughs> I don't, I don't have much of the the shallow lakes. We just have all the man made lakes up here in the Midwest, you know. Right. So. Um, it's a it's a pretty unique and and you know for Bell Rose to 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 note it uh, that that kind of tells you a little bit about the importance of the lake. Uh, you know, prior to the white man coming along and and, and what have you, the Indians probably. Uh, manage the lake pretty well by chopping and burning and what have you, you know, causing grasses and so on and so forth to, to grow. Oh, and, wow. and, you know, they manipulated the lake. And then later, uh, you know, people run their cows and their, their cattle and, uh, horses and, and even the hogs on the lake. And believe it or not, that was one case where, where hogs were actually a beneficial uh, were beneficial to the ecosystem rather than oh, destructive okay. because <laughs> the one case, right? <laughs> right. That's that's about the only case I can I can think of, and uh, of course it fed fed many of families. You know the hogs did, but yeah. But uh, they the roots, the grass roots and stuff that the ducks need, chufa and your sedges and stuff that that grow grew naturally in the lake. The more the hogs disturbed it by rooting. The more of it, it it actually produced, and and it even turned it, it for lack of better words, tilled it up so that the yeah. once the water flooded it, the, the the ducks could feed on it. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's interesting. You know, different the uh, the pre ducks unlimited, pre delta, pre uh, you know fish and wildlife service management of uh, waterfowl habitat is. You know, that's not something most people right. probably well, spend people, a lot of time thinking about. Exactly. So. Uh, you know, Indians, uh, Native Americans were definitely the first wildlife managers. And, uh, and you know, I mean, a lot of people don't give thought to that. But that's, that's the truth of it. No, yeah. So I guess we'll uh, transition into uh, why we're even having this conversation. Um, you know, uh, doing the Tales and Tips segment of the Waterfowl podcast and uh, Kevin sent me in a um, a story about was it your brother and you? Yeah, it was uh, my brother. Yeah, he's two yeah, years and, younger. Yeah, yeah. And we've been uh, actually funny enough, we've been Facebook friends for a while, right? Right. Sure. Just <laughs> through some sort of uh, uh, somebody friended somebody from a, a hunting uh, forum or something, and I had seen your your pictures and I, I saw that you're a uh, a dog trainer and a retriever trainer run a kennel and I was uh, looking to reach out and just so happened that you reached out to me and um right. kind of kicked things off and it, it's, uh, it's kind of ironic how things happen to me you, you you ask about a duck hunting story and I write a little duck hunting story and we get to talking and and and, and one thing leads to another and uh, right right uh, well, and so that's kind of a a good segue. Uh, we I think we can count on you in the the future to be having uh, either a weekly or bi weekly segments on um, 
uh, retriever training, correct? Right, right. I mean, when you uh, don't have to twist my arm to uh, get me <laughs> to talk about duck hunting and, and retriever training, uh, right. not one little bit. Well, that's 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 good then. Um, so why don't you let us uh, know a little bit about, um, uh, well, your your kennel and um, also your other little side project that you've you've got going on. Well, uh, if you it, it let me there, uh, you know, I can back up to you know I mentioned my grandfather, um, and he would tell me while we were duck hunting and stuff. Uh, you know, he'd tell me about the skies being black you know, with, with ducks and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, as I grew up, I I, I didn't see what he had seen. And uh, I always wanted to go into wildlife biology. And so uh, that brought me on to Natchitoches. And I trained my first uh, uh, retriever when I was 15. And uh, oh, wow. I got tired of losing low wood ducks they you know they like to come into <laughs> breaks and so on and so forth where it's thick right and uh what Just, side question for a biologist then for you and probably a little bit more avid wood hunter sorry i don't mean to get off track is it true they they they'll dive down into the roots and they'll hold on until they they drown oh is yeah. that correct that's yeah. right that is okay. right actually pretty much all your ducks will do that Okay. And, uh, that would explain a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what made my mind up that I needed a, a, a good retriever. And, uh, uh, so I, I went to saving money and, uh, uh, excuse, excuse the dog noise here. I've got a schnauzer that's, uh, decided something's <laughs> outside. Uh, She'll actually retrieve a little bit also. But oh wow! <laughs> anyway, though, uh, uh, trained that first dog, and uh, and I don't know that I'll ever have have one better than than he was. Uh, and come on to college to get that degree that I'm, you know, wildlife biology, and yeah, um, wound up in a wreck and it broke my back and uh you know it went real quick from uh being a luxury and a and a help which uh, i mean a retriever is a very yeah. big conservation tool and, and what have you uh but to even more of a necessity so i'm thinking man hi in the world uh how am I going to do this? I had to rethink so many things on, so on this, training the this retriever. car wreck, this car wreck, it, it puts you in a, a wheelchair. Right, that? right. Yeah. Broke my back and, uh, uh, broke my neck back, uh, lost a spleen, kidney, all kind of, anything I had a spare part of, they thought they could get rid of. They pretty much did. Wow. <laughs> they couldn't quite put old Humpty Dumpty back together again, but, <laughs> but here I am. So, yeah. Uh, but um, anyway, I, I I trained that first retriever, and he turned out to be a, you know, out of the wheelchair, and he turned out to be a, not only a very beneficial hunting buddy, but he's handy around the house also. You drop something, it rolls under the bed, goes here or there, and it's nice to be able to give a command hold and point to it and, have it put back in your hand real quick, like sure. uh, 
Sure. I guess uh, duck hunting buddy slash service dog, uh, you know, and uh, it just kind of grew from there, Ben. Um, and um, I, my kennel, as far as my kennel, I, I really uh, was not liking the direction and, and some of the breedings that, that I'm seeing going on and, and what have you. And okay. I actually uh, believe in keeping a fairly confirmational correct. I like somebody to brag on how well my dog looks as, as, as much as I do on how well it works. And so I went to the Ukraine. Uh, I have a, a, a English bred dog from show champions and working field dogs from the Ukraine and uh, that I imported. Then I have one from Russia and then I have one from Canada. I have a stud dog from Canada also from the Ukraine. Um, my main man, he's a, uh, he don't know whether to sip, sip tea or drink coffee. He's he's half <laughs> English and half American bred. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, but that that's how the kennel come to be. And, and that's uh, that's KB Kennels, right? Right. It's Fall Flight Kennel, and uh, the the retrievers are are, are just kind of known as KB Retrievers. You know okay. uh, that that they my name's been shortened. Shortened down from Kevin B. Fontenot to Kevin B. to KB, and so KB Retrievers is what they're what they're called. But uh, Fall Flight <laughs> Kennels, KB, all of the KB Retrievers, I guess, is what most people say. Okay, yeah, yeah. Talking about your name there, you know, I I was butchering it for a couple days there. Uh, I I guess I don't know many Cajun folk uh, and know to drop the T's and the X's and the- right. <laughs> no, don't 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 worry about it. It's still I I was raised raised up north, and I I went back down south, took a semester off college, and went went near nearly to the Gulf to go go to work in a shipyard, and uh, uh, they were all expecting me to to sound like them when when I was introduced to the crew I'd be working with, and when I said, "How are y'all doing?" They, <laughs> They, yeah. they they all almost fell out because they sure wasn't expecting me to sound like a redneck. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so I guess a good little transition into um, your next project would uh, maybe talk about some of the uh, key differences, you know, um, that well, I think a lot of people would take for granted when it comes to hunting waterfowl, um, you know, versus from your feet and down in a chair you know mm, yeah it, it, it's a it's a huge difference and uh uh getting you, you you find out quick how many real real good friends you have because toting a man and dragging him through the mud and all this that and the other is a pretty rough back-breaking chore and uh what have you so and you just can't get an atv or anything just anywhere where the where the ducks are and uh right you know i don't care how how well you call or or any of that in my experience uh you're gonna kill more ducks if you go to where they're at they want to be in a place for a reason so uh right duck hunting is probably i i deer hunt i turkey hunt and on and on uh if if you can hunt it I, i pretty much do um 
pretty passionate about it, to put it mildly. But duck hunting is uh, is high on the list, obviously. Um, it, it's it's the greatest challenge, and uh, uh, so getting to where where you need to go, it, it usually requires a, a a pretty decent boat, and uh, I've I've been fortunate enough to be in and have friends who were able to improvise and then meet people that actually had had boats that, that were made and designed to where someone could get in with a wheelchair, but they're few and far between. So the opportunities for someone who's wheelchair-bound to duck hunt are very slim. Sure. And uh, I know there's a lot more out there like myself, and uh, that's and, and some who've never even had the opportunity. Right, uh, yeah. They they listen to some something like our the podcast right now, and they they think, well, I'd like to do that. Well, uh, I just by a stroke of luck, and it it happened to be going to pick up a a, a lab puppy uh, that that we saw a uh, neat little pontoon boat, a small compact pontoon boat that was just large enough. And small enough that with very few modifications, uh, could be made into a blind and, and, uh, what have you. So that, you know, you could load people up in a wheelchair. They could get on it with, with little effort. And once they're on it, guess what? They don't have to walk any longer. And, uh, this, yeah. this is the dream of, uh, what it is. This is what KB retrievers is all about when when these dogs sell and and what have you the we use the profits uh from that to um to fund and 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 to buy new things and put on put on hunts to bring other other people that are wheelchair bound hunting um we were talking a little earlier and i'd mentioned to you that the state of louisiana uh had put in a couple of uh wheelchair accessible blinds that yeah. um, and what have you and so we'll be up and running this year um we may not have this boat secured and and then you know work in order hopefully we will I, yeah I, i'm you know holding out that we will but if we don't it won't be the be all end all we'll have the two department of wildlife and fisheries blinds one on russell sage and one on Bayou Pierre uh, Refuge that that uh, will be able to host some hunts on. So you've essentially got two um, uh, accessibility blinds right now. Is that is that what I understand? Correct. Correct. Okay. And then the, these boats they're 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 pretty similar to the um, like the private uh, lake pontoon boats, right? That you right. see like with the electric motors and stuff. Right. Actually, okay. you can uh, run up to 15 horsepower on this little mo- on that little boat. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it's a nifty little boat. <laughs> when I saw it, yeah. I knew I'd saw the answer. You know, I mean, I, I'd, I'd been thinking of how to build one and how to build one and how much it would cost to build one, and then what are the odds of driving down the highway and glancing over one. and there's there's one that someone had built. I'd never seen them before. You know, and, uh, you know, they were parked there at a feed store there, uh, I think around Livingston, Texas. And, 
pulled in there and I said, there's the answer. There's, there's the, there's the, that's the boat we've been looking for right there already built. Right. And, uh, and so, okay. What, so what do we need to do to, you know, get these kinds of projects running? Uh, and then I guess the other caveat to that is, is, um, if somebody is interested that needs this kind of service, uh, how do they, you know, reach out to you? Well, we've, uh, got a new web page up and running. Uh, it is, uh, called the, the wild project online. And, uh, um, you said that's the, the wild project for what is it? It's wheels on water, right? Wheels on water. Correct. Okay. And, uh, um, they, they can uh, contact me there. There's, you know, they're able to contact me from that. And okay. uh, what we intend to do through fundraisers and so on and so forth is, uh, well, most the, the, the another side to this is most most disabled people really like the funds to, to go do, do many of these things. You know, I mean, $100 worth of gas is a big chunk right. of their, their monthly income. And... Uh, what I right. what I hope to be able to offer is at least a, a gift card so that that uh, you know they'd be able to fill up their vehicle and, and make the trip up here and, and what have you. And uh, we're we're working with some uh, motels and what have you around to hopefully a, a, you know have a handicap accessible room available you know to them mm-hmm. uh, so. That, as little out of pocket expenses as as they can incur, uh, right, will be what it's about. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, people don't realize, you know, a lot of that stuff does get taken care of by insurance, but it, there's a lot more costs associated with um, living a different lifestyle than than most. Right. Well, um, you know, not to get too far off of it, uh, you know, on this it. it, it um, but it is something that that is very true. Uh, most people that that are in this situation, myself included, uh, you have to weigh the want to have versus what you have to have. A part breaks on a wheelchair. Well, that's several hundred dollars that may or may not be covered, and the likelihood of it being covered is more on the not being covered. Uh, side of some medical insurance and they have to come out of pocket with it. So there goes their right. extra few hundred dollars that they were going to possibly go on a duck hunting trip or, uh, what have you with. So, uh, sure. So wheels on water, it's, it's, it's not just taking people out hunting. So you're, you're going to try to get them there, get them stayed right. up at a local place. And then, Take them out on this this boat or these uh, right. lines that you worked with. Okay, right, and uh, hopefully have a meal, a meal to a good meal to to fill the belly up to. So, you know, it sounds like a lot, but uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to take a hundred hunters a year like some of the larger organizations. Right, but uh, a lot of the larger organizations don't factor in that. Uh, you know, the cost of transportation, uh, food and lodging into it. And within that, a lot of people get left out. Uh, and they, you know, that's just the 
pure truth of the matter. And, uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and I not lived it and, and would not, you know, if I wasn't living it on a daily basis, I would have no, no idea about that. And, uh, you know, I, I just said, you know, tell my wife one day that, you know, that we just, you know, that I want to do this and somehow or another, I'm going to make it work. And, you know, the KB Retrievers was uh, the answer to to getting, you know, to getting that to work. And, uh, you know, I mean, God gives you a talent and and gives you opportunities to do something. Fortunately, I was still able to train retrievers and, and, and what have you. And, and uh, that that was the answer to, to funding, funding the Wheels on Water, the WOW program. Right, right. Yeah, I'm just I'm kind of floored by your whole determination. You know, I don't. <laughs> that's uh, I, I think about uh, ever since I started talking to you here. I, I've been thinking back on my last year of hunting, and I don't know how much of it I would have been able to do, um, or just just simply from an accessibility uh, point of view, getting there. And man, that would be frustrating. It, it's. Um... It's going to be a, a very big thing. Uh, being, I, I just don't, I don't know of anyone else that's, that's really done it to, to that. I know some other people that um, are doing a pretty good job, in, in my opinion of it. And but they just, they still don't get, um, you know, what it takes for somebody to be able to travel from point A to right. point B. That that is such a huge deal. To be able to load yeah. up a wheelchair, load up, you know, medical supplies, this, that, and the other thing. And then, you know, as well as I do, every waterfowler, there's no room left in the back of their pickup trucks. No. Uh, just loaded down with hunting gear, you know, because we got to have a little little of everything. Well, it's, you still have right. to, you know, they have to, that's just an added thing that they have to factor in is how, how am I going to get the things that I need to live and go about daily living and enjoy this couple of days that that's being afforded me. And, right. uh, so it's, it's a lot of things taken for granted. There's something that real quickly that we hadn't discussed. See, I've been on both sides of the fence with it. Uh, and I thought, man, I knew everything about handicap hunting wrong. I had a buddy that ironically, uh, Almost three years prior to, to my back being broken in a vehicle accident, he fell out of a deer stand. He was getting a degree in wildlife biology uh, at the same time I was, and he fell out of a deer stand and broke his back. Uh, so I pushed him around. He played football and uh, for Northwest. He was a, a guard, and so he, I don't know, six six four, six five, and Big guy. You know, <laughs> Yeah, very big, you know, big guy. And uh, I towed him around, pushed him around in the woods in his wheelchair, wheelchair wishing we had an ATV, a three-wheeler, anything, you know. Uh, heck, I don't know. It's a wonder I didn't put him in a wheelbarrow and try to push him that away. But <laughs> may have. But, yeah. uh, you know, with spending all that time with him, uh, you you would think that, that – you know, I would have known all the ins and outs of it. 
and uh, I didn't. I I did not, and it it I came back home. And finally got out of the hospital, and uh, you know I was ready to go back and let's let's just go back and get to hunting and go and doing and and it just didn't happen like that. And, uh, you know, that's just the sad truth of it. And, uh, you know, there's so many people I've met people that's been in accidents, uh, that love to do it as much as I did or, and they, they've not been able to hunt in 20 years. So they're, yeah. they're sitting on the sidelines and mm-hmm. they're seeing people smiling with nice stringers of ducks and, uh, a uh, nice retriever sitting there beside them and all that and while they're while they're still happy that they're friends and they get to see people enjoying what they what they enjoyed they their heart's breaking on the inside too and uh, i can't imagine i just it just kind of hit me one day that i was going to do this and uh i was going to make it happen for some other people and, uh, you know, if I leave, leave, uh, a couple of people with a, a smile on the face and, and, and with memories that last them the rest of their life, uh, I feel like mission was accomplished, you know, and yeah. hopefully, hopefully, you know, I mean, other people will catch on and see, see what I'm doing and, and, you know, uh, maybe, maybe try to pay it forward a little bit or, or look around and kind of reach out to to see who in the community that they can help because I can promise you, you know, just like I, I never would have thought that, you know, that I would have been on the receiving end where I was on the giving end with my buddy uh, on those hunting trips and uh, what have you. I'm, you know, you just never know whether you know, who who it'll be, you know, next sign. So. Quick, quick question for you. Um, what is the standard width um, needed or uh, required to have accessibility for for most wheelchairs? Um, Thirty inches is uh, is is pretty much uh, the standard. Uh, being, oh. it, it just uh, you know, and actually, I, I'm gonna uh, have to do it when I do get my hands on that boat. I'm gonna have to go around and do a little bit, bit of measuring just to double check. And lots of times, if if anyone goes by the ADA, American Disabilities uh, guidelines, uh, I don't know who wrote those. <laughs> it, it probably was not somebody that was disabled. Uh, okay. I, and and it, it's uh, that's kind of another thing that I offer is, uh, you know, I. I I've seen those kind of things and, uh, I've seen them, seen what good intentions and well intended and well meaning people, uh, that they tried to make something accessible and it actually became more of a barrier. Believe that or not. You don't have to yeah. look too far to, to find an example. Next time, right. you, next time you drive up to a handicapped parking lot, uh, you look at it on a slope. And you wonder what Einstein thought about somebody setting a wheelchair out there and and the wheelchair rolling backwards for 30 foot until it, you know, wedges between two cars parked on the other side of the parking lot. It's a it's that's a whole it's a whole different lens um, that that nobody, you know, um, 
unless you know somebody or you're going through it yourself. Right. I would never. I would never think of that. It's no way. It is absolutely no way. And uh, you know, so but there again, I I know uh, I know so many that 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 have and and are, are in that situation. And, and by golly, I think I've got a solution that. Uh, That'll really, really uh, help out, and uh, you know. So, obviously, uh, you know, and I know this is this podcast pretty much covers duck hunting and and retrievers, and that's what what we're all here about. But you know, some people, um, depending on their disability and and what have you, they're they're left not able to be able to even shoot, and uh, um. You know, uh, with that, with that being said, a lot of them never have even been able to be on the water. Well, just because you don't, you, you've never been on the water, don't mean you wouldn't like to. So we're going to offer little fishing trips, uh, actually some sightseeing, bird watching, nature type trips up and down the Cane River here, and right. what have you. So we're going to try to find something that that accommodates everybody and gives. You know, as many people as we're able to and, uh, you know, gets them involved. And, and, and there again, you know, uh, if you've never been able to do it and never been able to be up close to Grady, you know, an egret or, or some of the other shore, shore, uh, shore birds and so on and so forth, that's a big thing to you. And, uh, sure. You know, with lots of things we take for granted. Yeah, I mean, a whole different lens uh, to look at hunting through. Um, so uh, I guess a good little segue into um, another portion that we're going to be talking about here is, um, and this just popped up in my head, so sorry if I catch you off guard. Um, but, uh, okay, so someone recently, um, you know, has an accident or someone recently is just getting getting uh, the hanker into go out and experience the outdoors. And I know there's a, a million different situations and every case is uh, different. But uh, what advice would you offer somebody that either is, you know, recently found themselves in a new situation such as yours or uh, somebody that, hey, you know, I want to try to get out and, and doing this this hunting, fishing outdoors thing? Uh, well, uh, honestly, <laughs> You, you, you have caught me off guard with that question because um, while you have large organizations um, like Willing Sportsman and so on and so forth, um, they they are obviously a, a, a fairly good choice. But um, to start with, but I found that that uh, smaller organizations that's kind of spun off of it, like smaller church groups and so on and so forth, uh, seem to do better. And, uh, you know, it's more community based and they, they are a little bit smaller and they're able to better, uh, cater or tailor the hunt to an individual's needs instead of a, a large blanket. Uh, because, you know, just because someone's in a wheelchair, uh, that don't mean everyone's the same. There's different levels of injuries that, you know, other other than the wheelchair, that's about all they have in common. And 
you know, so smaller, I would, I would say something like uh, willing sportsman to start with and then, then to reach out and, and then hopefully this wheels for water, uh, wheels on water. Wow. We'll be able to, to help organize some of that also, you know, right. you see, you see, uh, spinal cord injury, uh, peer groups and so on and so forth. Um, uh, I'm actually searching and, and maybe you in this podcast, uh, you know, we can actually dig up and find other people that, that are doing something similar and, and have a page devoted, you know, to, to that, you know, social media being what it is today. Uh, right. you know, uh, a resources page to where we can find, uh, other smaller groups doing similar things to what I'm doing, what I'm trying to accomplish with WOW. Um, yeah. So, so you just actually brought up, uh, uh, pretty much a new need, uh, something that, that, that I've not actually even thought of, you know, and, uh, uh, a very important one too. Sure, sure. I wish yeah. I could give you. you know, I, I wish I could. Give <laughs> no, uh-huh. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Absolutely, yeah, I get you. Um, every situation's you know, yeah. thousand miles apart, different. So I, I wish I could give you a concrete answer on that, and I guess that's why I feel wow is so important, and uh, what have you is because um, honestly. Uh, you know, there's just not a whole lot out there, and uh, right. You know, especially, especially getting back to the subject of duck hunting. You know, uh, I don't, I don't really know of uh, too many other people that 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 offer duck hunting because it is sure. very difficult. And uh, well, I mean, get, that's why I was asking you about what that minimum standard. You know. Um, I know you had told me, you know, there's a lot of times people can, you know, end up doing more harm than uh, uh, than good when it comes to that. But I think I'm going to be having a few more conversations with you. And I think that uh, the railing, the front railing on my uh, my deck boat that I'm building out this summer is probably going to be able to handle 30 inches wide. So if you ever come up, you know, to Kansas, we can we can go get some ducks. Well, that sounds good. I'll tell you what, like I said. I'd love to take you up on that uh, that one of these days. Uh, load up one of these retrievers and 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 be able to head that way. That would be awful nice. And what have you? Just see, even seeing a different part of the country, and yeah. uh, what have you. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's quite. A, I tell you what. Uh, Probably, uh, if you want to think about it in scope and, and, and hunting in general, uh, short of trying to kill a, kill a ram off the side of a mountain, uh, uh, or some of your, your big horn sheep or something like that, yeah. uh, duck hunting, duck hunting is probably one of the roughest things there is. You think about getting all the decoys out there. Wading out there in that mud and and, yeah. and and all the equipment you have to bring with you to do it, uh, um, you know, duck hunting's right up. You have to be pretty tough to, especially a, a do-it-yourself type duck hunter to to get right. out there and, and get it done. Well, when 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 you get get in a situation like this, it's uh, 
you, you start figuring out ways to improvise and uh sure you know there there's but it comes to a point that there's only so much improvision that you can do and uh, to make it work unless you just you know find that one little thing that could kind of take you a step further for sure for no pun intended to, uh, to, to, <laughs> yeah. to get you there and, and that boat, uh, will do it. Um, you know, I was thinking of one other thing, uh, being, I know that, um, uh, we're, we're pretty much just talking on this, this, and, uh, it's not quite as formal as, uh, as it is sometimes, but, uh, you know, I've mentioned that, you know, some people probably wouldn't be able to actually, participate you know in, in the hunting that that they would uh maybe do a bird watching trip or what have you but along the same line there will be a kb retriever on every on every trip that wild boat takes and uh a lot of people have not uh had the opportunity to ever watch a trained retriever work and uh that just one in itself is is, is a beautiful thing and um, you know, I could take a retrieval trainer dummy launcher and, and, uh, uh, what have you and put on a pretty good, pretty good little show for them right there to, to kind of enhance yeah. the trip, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, so, uh, that's, that's another little, little thing that, that, you know, that is going to be done. You know, I'm just, um, thinking of, you know, as much, much as I can that, Obviously, you know, we we can't cover it all in the, in the length of this right. podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, which yeah, I mean, great segue. And then, hey, I will um, we'll put those websites up in the show notes so that people can uh, easily find them, and then we'll cover them again uh, towards the the end of the podcast. But I guess let's uh, let's talk about uh, going forward here, and you know, like we talked about before, you're going to be on here either once a week or once every other week and uh, give us some, some helpful uh, retriever training tips. And uh, I guess we oh. want to transition into the, the thing that you brought up to me earlier. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I, the, the, as far as retriever training and, and what have you, that that's, uh, that's been something I've been doing since I, I was 15 years old and, and, and absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, uh, I've got a couple of years on me now. And so I think that, so, uh, <laughs> uh, that's just, let's say 30, 30 plus years of, uh, <laughs> fooling with these, these four legged buddies that they go with us, uh, faithfully, you know, a retriever's the only, only hunting buddy that you don't have to ask twice. He'll never tell right. you no. And, yeah. Uh, but to, to to get him to do what you want him to do, and for you both to have a good time, and your hunting buddies not to be cussing you, uh, you know, we, we, we're going to need to have some talks uh, on how to get this retriever to do what what we want to. Obviously, starting with a, a well-bred retriever is is key, but but training him is paramount. Right, right. So, and I know you were just talking about, uh, you know, I got this baby that's going to be due any day here. So, and uh, you made some some fun parallels there. So, 
That's right. Uh, people, people, uh, they, they, they plan on having a baby. They have a baby's room bed ready, his bed ready, uh, and plenty of diapers stacked up and so on and so forth. Everything you think you can possibly need for the baby for quite a while. And, uh, you know, they don't think about when they bring this seven week old bundle of fur home, how fast they grow. And, um, you know, they, they're not prepared to, to get their baby. And, uh, so having a crate and actually have maybe watched and read some books on retriever training and, and what have you to start with is probably about like buying, having a baby shower. You know, you need to have those things before you pick that puppy up and you bring that home and what have you and have a game plan and, if, it was, if you don't, um, your wife probably isn't going to be happy with you when sure. when her fuzzy <laughs> slippers gets picked up and chewed up and, and <laughs> so on and so forth. So, so you're saying, so you're saying the uh, the first thing uh, is to have the game plan before you go buy the puppy and then not get the puppy and then work the game plan. Right. A lot of people <laughs> will sit there and research a pedigree or read through ads after ads. You know, there, there's plenty of labs out there, quality labs, and you know they they decide on, a, oh, this is a Labrador Retriever and that I want, and they they run out and buy it and bring it home. Well, they hadn't thought about, oh, what am I going to do with this this thing? <laughs> he actually did, right. does need some training, and then two weeks later they're scratching their head and trying to think. Uh, mm, I don't know if I can afford another pair of shoes or or this, that, or the other chewed up, um, what do I do now? And two weeks in a lab's life is a big thing. They're growing, they're, you know. Sure. So you better be 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 training one from the very start. I start every one of mine at seven weeks. Um, you know, most professional trainers that you send a dog to, um, if that's the route you're going to take, you need to already have that lined up. Um uh, but they can't accept a seven-week-old dog. So you need right. to know how to start teaching one to sit, stay, and come to you. And believe it, it, it makes it a whole lot easier for you to bond with that dog and the dog to bond with you and the family and um, to transition over and to, to bring it to a trainer. And if you're a do-it-yourself uh, trainer, uh, that's what these tips on. A, you know, people need to tune in because we, we can give them some. Weekly or bi-weekly, for sure, that'll help them along the way. Sure, yeah. I think that's going to be critical because I think, you know, this podcast is geared towards people that are just picking up uh, the, the the sport, the lifestyle of, of waterfowl hunting. And I think that uh, it, it crosses all of our, our minds when we first start something uh, and we're evaluating on what tools we're going to use and what how much money we're going to throw at something. And, and I, I know that, a, a dog is is definitely um, uh, a useful and a very appealing tool to a lot of uh, beginners, and that can be quite a daunting task to take on. So, right, um, I'm 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 very happy to have you um, signed up with us and and to to help some of our our listeners along that that path, well, or at this, least prepare them for it. So, it's all my pleasure. Uh, 
I will just say this. Uh, I can't say enough about a crate. You go get the dog, make sure that you have that crate sitting at home. That's tip number one. Have the dog a crate and teach the dog okay. to be relaxed. You may not sleep for a couple of nights. You're not going to sleep for a week or two with that new baby till, till that baby gets settled <laughs> in. Uh, when it gets here, well, the retriever's going, the, the new puppy's going, uh, be the same way for a couple of nights, fussing and whining and crying because you put it in that crate. But believe you me, that right there, uh, somebody's going to come up to me and see me somewhere that's, that's put their dog in a crate and taught it and crate trained it. And they're going to want to hug me because if they saw the difference in the two dogs, uh, it's like night and day. Crate training that dog is uh, the the most important first step you can take. <laughs> so I've got I've got two uh, lab mixes and then a golden mix that are they're all rescues. So I've got you know three sort of hunting type breeds, but I have about a, a half of a, a, a waterfowl retriever amongst all three of them. And none of them were in a crate, so sounds like the crate is important. Well, sure. You, you, you've got a baby coming along, and, uh, you know, when that baby starts crawling and the dog wants to rough house and play, you know, it's not trying to hurt the baby. It's wanting to lick the baby and, and roll it over and play with it. Uh, guess what? It's time to put the dog up, so, and you tell it to kennel, and it goes in the kennel and actually goes to sleep and it's in this happy place and the baby gets to continue playing on and, you know, wherever. And, and you don't have a massive conflict right there or a company comes over. Right. I mean, right, there, right, there's right. a thousand and one things, but, but the bottom line is the dog will become comfortable in that crate. That'd be its place. Actually, if, if you crate trained your, 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 your dogs, they would probably go look to get in their crate at some point to get away from the baby because when the baby starts crying their tail and their <laughs> ear and all that they're gonna say can i get away from this baby i'd love to have a break you know and sure you know, sure that's their calm happy place and uh you know so that that is um tip number one right there and and i cannot stress the importance of that all right well, uh, your uh, that story that you sent me in, um, what was that on when or what is it? It's Wednesday today. Uh, I think you sent it to me on Monday, right? Yeah, um, I'm gonna, I th- I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can either uh, probably next week I'm gonna put that on the show, but uh, I th- think maybe uh, you'd want to tell that story on our next tales and tips. I sure would because uh, all right, I'll throw this in. Really, I've been kind of through the feast and the famine and. Right now, we, we're, we're all as waterfowlers blessed with, uh, you know, we're back at a six duck limit and, uh, right. uh, you know, and, and other than the pintail, and there's a few other species, but the pintail keeps struggling. You know, I've mentioned that you could kill 10 pintails on the point system. Uh, right. and that, that is, uh, it's sad that the pintail hadn't rebounded, but, um, you know, back in 89, I believe it was 89, the early part of the nineties, uh, the limit of ducks had dropped to three and, 
you know, a lot of people sold their decoys and a lot of duck stamps weren't bought and, and people just don't realize what, you know, what that duck stamp does and moan and groan right. about it going up $10 like, like last time, you know, that, um, that buys habitat and manages habitat. And, uh, yep. we all are fortunate to, uh, be able to, uh, pick the fruits from that, that habitat management. And, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've been through the feast and the famine of it. And yeah, you know, I've, and then, cause I've only been waterfowl hunting. Well, I've only been serious into it for a little while now. I've never known anything other than a, a six duck limit, you know, so. Yeah, when I hear about all them the the point systems and stuff, I've picked up a couple of the old uh, Nebraska um, field manuals, and uh, it seems that's an interesting little concept. But right, that was the good old days. I I, I wish we could get back to them. Uh, but you know, six ducks, uh, good six duck limit, like we're able. To, most people are able to go. Uh, harvest these days uh, is is pretty awesome right yeah hey i got a side question for you too um she what how do you how do you go about yourself how do you go about setting up and tearing down decoys well you know i'll tell you what um i i need to uh, well I, I do it the hard way but actually I saw a neat thing, and I need to call this company and see if they they may uh, want to get on board with me. And I guess I may be doing a little advertisement here for them. Uh, hey, yeah, go ahead, throw them seen, out. Have you seen the decoy mat? Yes, I have. I in fact, I made a poor man's version of that this year because uh, one of the ponds I was hunting it was um, about thirty foot, and I didn't want to rig a whole dozen. Um, of 30 footers or put any long lines out. So I almost made a functional one of these decoy mats. Wow. Well, now that, that's, uh, that right there is what I'm going to be looking to, to do next year. That's, that's a major change that, that, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to have is, uh, something similar to that decoy mat. I'm sure that, I mean, man, huh? That talk yeah. about time saver. What what is that company called? I I saw them. They make it out of kind of a plastic material, though, don't they? Listen, do you remember what that decoy mat company was called? Oh, my wife's googling it real quick. Oh, nice. <laughs> she may <laughs> say today. Hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think whoever uh, that is is trying to tell you right now. But yeah, um, the definitely. I I didn't even think about that application. I only thought about it for you know when you you don't want to set a you know a whole bunch of long lines or um, do a bunch of really long keel weights. Well, so. I'll tell you what. From what I've seen in the videos I've, I've watched of it, um, that right there is the ticket. And if it, you can believe if it would help me, it would make make somebody else's day a dream. You know. Sure, yeah, absolutely. The decoy raft. The decoy raft. The decoy raft, okay. Right. <laughs> so. Decoy raft waterfowl platform. You got to love Google. There you go, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's, that's it. But you said you do it the hard way. 
now. <laughs> right, the hard way. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, wanted it. Wanted Southern Flyway um, decor raft mat. Uh, that ought to be enough information to where anybody can Google it. But I'm gonna tell you. Uh, right. Yeah, I'm gonna do what I can do to get my hands on that, or or do like I normally do, build build my version of it the best I can because. Uh, you know, hauling, hauling decoys out there and, and, you know, throwing them out two or three at a time. And it, it's taking a uh, retail at 250. How many decoys is that old? Um, she's, she's running to go, go see how many decoys. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you've ever listened to the Joe Rogan podcast or anything, but he's got, um, he's got a, a guy there on there that does all of his Googling and researching for him whenever he asks a question like that. So you got yourself, you know, your own little podcast uh, enterprise working up over there, huh? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell so. you what, well, I can tell you, it, it's always a team effort. Uh, um, you know, she, she makes, she makes much of this possible because, uh, it, you know, for me to, uh, Better to take and do with the dogs what I'm able to do, uh, and what have you. Uh, that while she's not out there necessarily with the dogs and me, uh, what she does around the place and you know with with our work and and all that makes makes it possible for me to you know to to do to do this. Yeah. Sure. Eighteen decoys. Of the, Eighteen decoys. Yeah, so yeah. A couple of those decoy rafts. Uh, uh, you know, you could you could uh, set up a spread and a nice spread pretty quick, like and uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and yeah. and I'm thinking even a little bit beyond that, maybe to build something that actually rolls them back up on the front of, you know, yeah, something that, that that boat, you know. Yeah, or the side of it, or something like right. that. Uh, for that, yeah, that would be a pretty good uh, situation, I think. Well, hey, Kevin, we're we're getting close to an hour here, and uh, try to keep it wrapped up. But man, I I appreciate you coming onto this podcast, and um, one first and foremost, uh, giving us some legitimacy with uh, retriever training tips because I don't know anything about retrievers. Um, but uh, and then second for getting your your name and your cause out there uh this is something i think that uh i haven't seen in social media i haven't seen anybody talking about it and i i tell you what i am not gonna hog you um for any of this i when we hang up here i'm gonna push this out to a couple uh a couple other podcasters that uh, i know that do a lot better job than i do and uh, we'll try to you know, do what we can. Um, and once again, like I said, we're going to put, uh, the donation link in the, uh, the, the show notes. And, uh, this is Kevin, uh, Fontenot's, uh, wheels on water and KB kennels, right? KB uh, retrievers. KB retrievers. Yes. Yeah. And I really appreciate you being, and, and I look forward to, uh, um, yeah, you know, my my googler in there said you know uh equipment you know anything uh we don't turn down any 
any help. It it's it don't have to be money. Uh right. any anything anyone thinks can can help, uh, you know, they can get a hold of me on that website or uh through Facebook and uh you know, there there's nothing too small. And uh sure. you can you can always see through Facebook or the the website, you'll you'll be able to see see something that you you did or, or helped with uh, put to very good use. And uh, right, but I appreciate you, and uh, I look forward to doing this with you in the future. And uh, hopefully, by the by the time it's over with, you'll be you'll you'll know everything between a a to z and backwards and forwards on retriever training. Yeah, heck, maybe I'll get one of them dogs to pull their weight around this house. But, hey, once again, Kevin, uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, thanks for (laughs) taking up an hour of your your evening. And uh, we'll get the the good word out there. So It sure is a pleasure, Ben. It sure is a pleasure. Thank you, bud. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast Group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great-great-grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. I and mean, if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like and we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So, all right. Stay safe out there and we will see you next week. Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can impress all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither. But hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.